The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Hello, listeners. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 6, which was titled Broken Trust and aired May 18th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Clark reconsiders his decision to let Jordan play football. Lois's uh, continued investigation of Morgan Edge requires her to trust an unexpected ally. Okay, let's talk about this. We had a bit of a hiatus, so uh, I, I do wonder if some of the momentum uh, was, uh, you know, uh, at least uh, hindered just a teeny tiny bit because of the hiatus so early on into the first season's run. We have a new co-host whom we we lured over from another super podcast, which is really exciting. So I'm gonna be, I want to get your take on a lot of these characters, Millie. So uh, let's start off with um, Jordan. Jordan was at the forefront this episode. He we, we pick up exactly where we left off with his uh, altercation with Tag. Superman comes in, saves the day, but Jordan is left feeling something. Uh, to be quite honest, what I thought was happening was I thought that he was developing his super hearing, which maybe is still the case, but uh, he was getting these sort of migraines whenever noise would happen around him. And uh, unfortunately, it was happening around the time when there was going to be a big game versus their old school, Metropolis. And uh, Jordan really, really wants to play to sort of one-up the bullies that uh, bullied him in Metropolis. So Jordan and Jonathan, Jordan asked Jonathan to keep it a secret. And it all comes to a head on uh, the football field where, uh, you know, he they, they end up winning. Yay, Smallville. But uh, the football team end up um, bullying him. I don't know what you would call it. They just intentionally jump all over him to, I don't know what, but uh, but he, his, his um, the migraine ends up happening again. And fortunately, Clark is there to absorb all of the energy that was sort of building up. Before we get into the rest of it, I want to talk about uh, everything up to this point with Jordan. Uh, Jordan, being a typical teen, was being a typical teen throughout this entire episode. Millie, 
I've never heard you talk about this show, so it's your first time on the podcast. I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about Jordan, because you actually binged the series over a couple days to catch up for this episode, for this podcast. So uh, talk to me about Jordan, your thoughts on Jordan in general, but in particular in this episode. It's interesting, like, binging it and getting the whole the whole experience on Jordan. I think right now, especially this episode kind of showcases it, like this poor teen is really going through it. And in terms of my feelings overall, I'd say like, he's not my favorite twin. I don't know. There's just something about him that I think that just doesn't resonate with me. I think that the actor is doing really well with this angsty teen, but maybe I'm just kind of over that phase. Uh, But in terms of kind of what he's going through, I think it makes sense. uh, Especially, I kind of like their play on on this idea of like angst, ang- uh, teen anger, and stuff like that, and how he's manifesting it. I'm I was interested and in, intrigued by the what's going on with his powers, and I'm wondering if it was um, like he had been poisoned or something. I don't know in that terms, just because of the way like it was always like in his head, uh, and or I was wondering if it's kind of like his powers are short circuiting, meaning like maybe uh, it's like temporary or something like that. So I thought that was an interesting path. Did they go um, for him? And I'll be curious to see where he goes. But I definitely think he he's right now taking the cake for, like, hogging all of the, like, drama and ability to like, do dramatic exits and just kind of being very overdramatic. He is overdramatic. I do agree with you on that. It was interesting. As I was watching this episode, uh, I, I figured out that Jonathan is my favorite twin. Uh, Jordan is is a bit too much for me. My hope is that everything that happens in this episode, and, and there is resolution, we'll talk about that momentarily, but my hope that everything up to this point that we're sort of talking about, he goes back and he thinks about this and, and really learns from it, because the last thing that we need is another Jennifer Pierce. Shout out to Black Lightning. Uh, Jennifer Pierce is the teensiest teen you will ever teen in your life. She's so teeny. And, and I don't mean tiny. I mean, she's a teen. She is a teen. And, and she's written like a teen. So she acts like a teen. And so everything is teen. And I, I just hope we don't get that with Jordan. He does have moments where there is a maturity there. Um, there is like a, a wonderful uh, innocence slash tenderness slash maturity with his relationship with Sarah. So I hope we get a lot more of that um, in his, um, like the other side of the coin of his storyline. Um, so continuing on. So Clark, the best father on broadcast television, I would say, you know, absorbing all that energy from his son. Um, later on in the episode, uh, they get into it uh, because, um, because at a certain point, uh, Clark has to go do his superheroics, and uh, he leaves Jonathan and Jordan by themselves at the hotel room in Metropolis. Some of the team show up, and they want to celebrate. They go out and celebrate, doing a little drink drink, and then the Metro- Metropolis bully assholes show up. Um, it, it, it takes a lot for Jordan to try not to punch like the, the main bully, uh, at all, and but he gets to the point, and he's ready to do the punch. He lifts up his arm. He's about to punch that dude in his face. Clearly, he's going to knock his entire head off. The poor boy is going to be beheaded. But uh, Jonathan stops him, and uh, 
we learned that apparently all that happened was that he broke his wrist, which I don't know if I fully buy that, but that's what we were told. And uh, uh, Clark and Lois end up talking to Jordan about it. What was kind of strange for me about the conversation was, you know, they were so focused on Jonathan. And, like, we know you didn't do it, you know, on purpose to Jonathan, this, that, blah, blah, blah. But he was going to knock that Metropolis boy's chin off. And, like, that was lost in the fact that Jonathan got hurt. Because uh, he was really going to hurt that kid, um, that teen. He's not a kid, but he's, he's a teen. He's an asshole. That's what he is. Um, but th- they get into it, and, and Clark basically gives a wonderful lesson about, you know, I have to be extra careful with every choice that I make because I can be seen as a threat. If I do one wrong move, someone can get hurt. And he even mentions, which we'll talk in a little bit, uh, a moment in the episode where he was at his breaking point uh, with you know the decisions that humans were making around him, but he had to put himself in check, and he was basically telling Jordan that he has to put himself in check as well. We're going to pause right here before we continue on with this. Professor, I want to bring you into this Jordan conversation. We've talked a lot about Jordan. I know that you, you've enjoyed Jordan maybe a little bit more than I have. What did you think of him in this episode? And uh, what did you think of Clark as Super Dad in this episode as well? Uh, don't go painting me as, uh, as as Team Jordan. I've been Team Jonathan since episode one. Okay. I was just going to clear a little space on the bandwagon for you two late joiners. Um, That's funny. Know, I mean, yeah, the, the thing, as, as you say, there's a really good parallel to be drawn between uh, Jordan and uh, uh, Jennifer Pierce over on Black Lightning. I don't think it's quite as bad. He, he, you know, Jordan isn't as bad as Jennifer. And in a certain respect, he has, you know, uh, you know, a, a slightly different you know, a, a slightly more justifiable take on that. Uh, not so much that his, his powers are developing, but, you know, the, the uncontrollable nature of his powers, the fact that he was something of an outcast, uh, he was bullied, and now he's developing these powers and these abilities. And so part of it for him is, you know, just wanting to fit in the sense that if he had powers, he'd be maybe not normal, but he'd be better accepted, uh, better, you know, could fit in a little better. So I think they're, they're giving him a little justification, uh, you know, for that. But yeah, he is, you know, an annoying teen. And once again, Jonathan is the the superstar, the the older brother we all kind of wish we'd had, just like, you know, uh, Lois and Clark are the parents we all wish we'd had. Hi, Mom, if you're listening. Um, but no, I thought it was great. Uh, like a really powerful scene. I, I would push back a little bit, you know, you know, for... Uh, uh, for Lois and Clark not to be saying, you know, what about the boy you almost punched out? You have to remember that their other son just had his arm broken. So they're obviously feeling concern about that. They're, they're feeling, you know, um, you know, I've, I've never actually broken one of my siblings arms, but you know, we have hurt each other at times. And, you know, there Uh-oh. is that, you know, the, uh, the reaction that a parent has when a child has been hurt. Uh, and when it's the other child who was responsible on the one hand, there's the concern for, uh, you know, the child has been hurt. There's the relief that it wasn't worse, but then there's the sense of responsibility and, and obviously the fact that Jordan feels it. I, I honestly, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure Jordan is, is, is beating himself up far more than Lois or Clark could in that moment because he did hurt his brother. Who's always had his back. And, and if he just listened to Jonathan, you know, he wouldn't have gotten in this situation and he forced Jonathan once again to lie for him. Uh, and uh, you know, so he, he is putting Jonathan, you know, through an emotional as well as a physical ringer. Uh, but I think it was, it really, I mean, the whole point of that scene was just to give Superman that great talk. 
uh, you know, which, you know, his real power is restraint. It's, you know, that sense of, you know, for Superman to walk among mortals, he has to continually be reining it in, not just in terms of, you know, how he hits people and stuff like that, but just in the sense that, you know, to be seen losing his temper. Uh, and, you know, we got a great uh, sense of that in, in a scene that we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Uh, but that has to be something where, you know, the, uh, the, the continual pressure to be perfect is something that, you know, we haven't really explored in the Superman mythos. It's always just presented that he's he's just, you know, naturally good. Uh, and what he said in this is, no, the anger that you're feeling is something that I felt, but I had to get over it because otherwise people would have been terrified. Uh, and so, you know, the price he pays for, you know, living among humans and being regarded as a hero is having to continually rein himself in. And that's something that obviously uh, Jordan is going to have to learn. Uh, so I thought that was, you know, very nicely set up. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it sucks that, you know, uh, Jonathan took the, uh, the hit. Uh, I would argue that, you know, you know, Jordan's superpowers aren't so extreme. Like he didn't punch the log and shatter it or anything like that. He just, you know, was obviously stronger than normal uh and by the way that that punching the log scene delightful the first punch <laughs> it was and uh and and clark rang around okay okay thought it might kick in instinctively not the right way to go um because he's feeling his way through this as well uh you know parallel with you know what's happening over on flash the difficulty of training someone uh you know you know uh you know superman never had you know training from uh, a fellow Kryptonian. He had to learn from, you know, a human and trying to help him adapt to that. So this is an interesting experience for him to go through, uh, as well as his son. And I think you're doing a really good job of, of playing up that, uh, you know, a, a level to Superman that we don't usually get. Yes, I agree with you on that. Uh, this iteration of Superman, like, I keep on reading it on social media, and, and I 100% co-sign it. I think it's one of the best iterations of Superman that we've gotten. Such an incredibly multi-layered character. Uh, who'd have thought, you know, just making Superman a dad would uh, add so many additional layers and nuances to Clark Kent. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, yeah, 100%. All right, all right. So, uh, okay, let's talk about Tag. Poor Tag. I feel bad for Tag. Tag just wants answers. And he's doing it in the worst way possible, but he just wants answers, damn it. He, um, you know, he ex escapes from the DOD, and uh, he has that altercation with, um, with uh, Jordan earlier in the episode. As, as I mentioned, we pick up exactly where we left off, and he's basically begging him to, to tell him what is wrong with him. I know it was you, the explosion, it was you, I have video footage, I know it was you, just tell me what's going on with me. And uh, Superman arrives, there's a chase, he escapes, uh, we learn that uh, Lane is keeping an eye on Tag and is ready to take him out by any means necessary. Uh, we, he sees him in Metropolis, but all of a sudden he's back in Smallville. He uh, goes to, um, to Sarah to sort of, you know, try to talk to her, but, uh, but she ends up getting knocked out at when, when she closes the door because he starts, um, his powers start to glitch. So uh, he does what um, any desperate person, I guess, would do. Kidnaps her? I don't know. And takes her to Metropolis, shows her the video footage of uh, what happened that night. He's like, has Jordan said anything to you? You know, because I feel like it's 
him and she's like no you know he he hasn't um superman has has been tracking tag ends up um you know finding them and is like i want to help but tag is is hesitant he's resisting because he's like you took me to them and he's like hey they're here you know if you either we're either leaving now or or we're not at all so let's stop right here because the other thing is going to lead into a question about uh clark Let's talk about Tag. Tag does end up getting reacquired by uh, General Lane by the end of this all. Uh, what what do we think of Tag's storyline? Um, the the storyline, uh, well, I, I should mention this because it's part of the Tag storyline. It does start Sarah asking questions to Jordan later on. And Jordan does lie to her, which he does feel bad about. Uh, so... There is that. I don't know if this is going to be a recurring thing with Sarah, but I, I kind of think it will. Professor, talk to me about TAG, and what do you think the ramifications of, of TAG and everything that he told Sarah will be um, in these coming episodes? Uh, it's interesting. I think, you know, we have an interesting parallel here. Tag is someone who suddenly got these powers, but he doesn't have the support system of, you know, uh, of Lois and Clark, uh, of, you know, his family there who's gone through this, who understands what he's going through to to guide him through the process. Uh, instead, he was, you know, branded a, uh, you know, a, a dangerous person and thrown into a facility and, and obviously, uh, you know, isn't dealing with it as well as as, as bad as, as Jordan is doing. Uh, he hasn't actually kidnapped anyone that we know of. Um, so I like the fact they brought him back, uh, you know, that he's got superpower. It's funny how, you know, watching his the superpower of him running. Um, I understand why they had the lightning effects on Flash because it really looks dorky when you just are showing someone running really fast like that. Yeah, uh, I noticed that too. I was especially like, that compared to the weird. flying. The flying looks cool, but the running just looks, oh my God, throw some lightning around that boy. It's just, uh, it's just dumb looking. Um, so I like the fact they brought him back. Uh, you know, it, it was a little contrived that he went to see uh, Sarah. Um, you know, of the one person that he would go to, I guess you could argue that, you know, his friends on the football team are all in Metropolis, so he couldn't talk to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it felt a little more story reason to, to give Sarah a reason to doubt, uh, and Jordan a reason to doubt himself for having had to lie to Sarah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's funny, like, you know, the, the video exists online and other people have seen it and they haven't drawn that conclusion. So it may be making her wonder a little bit. And she did, you know, specifically ask him about it, but not in that sort of suspicious. I know you're hiding something away. Uh, just, you know, in, in a, a fairly straightforward kind of, you know, almost I've got to do my due diligence and, and ask you about this way. So um, I think, you know, part of bringing tag back was, you know, to. Uh, uh, to set up, you know, uh, planting that seed uh, with Sarah uh, of, of questions that she's going to have. Um, one question I do have is that, you know, uh, when Sarah's parents got back from their uh, date night, did they not notice the door had been knocked off the front of their house? Apparently not. <laughs> um, they had to go back to the uh, the, uh, the security camera to, oh, look at that. And what do you know? The door is missing. Uh, did her sister not notice that the door was missing? Because this has been hours after the pizza was. Did the pizza delivery guy not notice the door was missing? Um, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions related to uh, that one scene about knocking the door off singes. Or did, uh, you know, tag with his super speed powers, put the door back? Who knows? A lot of questions to be answered. 
So again, I, I like they brought him back. I think there's a lot of interesting parallels there. I don't know whether we'll see him again. Uh, it seems that he was brought on for that purpose. Um, actually, we might now because we did have uh, you know Superman say that you know you won't be alone and and he's going to be watching this and that might be there in to finding out you know uh, discovering that you know he got his powers because of exposure that X Kryptonite that might be their way into you know uh, the bigger uh, you know uh, you know sort of mythology question uh, arc that's hanging over this season. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm trying to remember, did the door completely come off the hinges or did he just like bump it came her off back? The hinges. It, it flew it's back a- and it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. I mean, I can watch it quietly okay. while you're asking Millie a question. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that is a fascinating sort of just continuity thing that you brought up professor. Cause I just thought he like bumped her back, but maybe he did completely break it off. Uh, yeah. Millie, I do want to get your take on Tag as well. Since you, as as I mentioned, you were able to binge it, so you've seen Tag's journey a little bit more up close and personal as opposed to seeing it week to week. Uh, what would you think of him and uh, and how they used his character in this episode? I like him. Um, I think he's, he's interesting. I, I feel like we didn't get to explore um, him as much I can't imagine like watching it week to week I feel like even with the binge he's, he wasn't I think, used enough to kind of pull that through um, but I thought that the story was interesting and I remember you know they were talking about like sending him off or at least maybe trying to get him some support so I was thinking that it's a little bit I wonder if they're trying to like go with a little bit like X-Men like being like everyone goes off to school to learn their powers and that maybe we'll go see uh, his return there and see him kind of see how he is able to gain control of all of that uh i feel for him as well you know, he's 14 he's getting all these angst is like i i guess you get these powers and you should kidnap somebody i don't know if that's a, like your first instinct you should really be doing that but i guess i understand that he needs to kidnap somebody that is a familiar but it's just an interesting route to go that way <laughs> Point of clarification: Tag did not knock the door off its hinges. I apologize for uh, any continuity uh, mistakes that I may have uh, indicated. Uh, I apologize to Sarah's parents for suggesting that they were neglectful for not noticing that. I apologize to the Smallville Pizza Delivery Guy for not noticing the door was knocked off its hinges because it was still on its hinges. Okay, good. Uh, I wonder if the child bought the pizza. She had to crack over that piggy bank. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, so let's see. Which storyline should we go to next? Well, I guess we'll continue on with Superman. Uh, so, uh, so the so Lane sends his men to pick up Tag, and it looks like it's pick up Tag by any means necessary because they start shooting. Uh, uh, Superman, I was about to say Clark, but Superman ends up blocking the bullets, and he gets shot by uh, four kryptonite bullets, which shocked him, angered him, annoyed him, like all of the above, like all of the feels are what Clark as Superman were feeling at that moment. He rips the kryptonite from out of his chest. He throws the bullets, and it looks like they like disintegrated or whatever. And he he fooshes to one of Lane's men, and he's like, "Stand down." If this was like Cable, he'd be like, "Stand the fuck down." <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 
uh, Superman was tested at that moment, and he kept his cool as as much as as he needed to. He he kept his cool. Uh, later on, he gets into this. Uh, he gets into it with Lane about what happened, why it happened. He's just a kid, really. Kryptonite bullets. This is that or the other. So whatever trust that was there, you know, much like the episode's title, uh, the trust is breaking, and uh, part of that has me wondering: Did uh, the strangers? Um, you know, th- that code uh, that looks like hell, uh, what was it, 7734, did, did that affect Lane? Is that affecting Lane? I do wonder that. Um, like, I kind of understand where Lane is coming from a little bit, because you do need a contingency plan as a just-in-case, but the contingency plan should not be the first thing that you do. That's just my opinion, General Lane. But I guess maybe I don't know as as much as a general would. Millie Wood. Sam Lane. I want to get your take on Sam Lane and uh what you think of uh what you think of the kryptonite bullets as well as uh, Superman's uh, talk with the general. Definitely get some like fishy vibes from the general. I think at first you see, you know, you obviously see like, okay, cool. Uh, he's the father-in-law, whatever. Uh, but after this, especially this episode, and his thought, and that it just—I feel like he has the potential to, in the end, not do something very good for Lois and Clark. And also, the fact that he knows who Superman is—I just—that I feel is a recipe for disaster. And then after this exchange, uh, it's clear where his allegiance is at the end of the day. So that that, that was interesting. And then the whole kryptonite bullets. Um, I mean, if you have kryptonite bullets, that's also. It's just all suspicious <laughs> and not going to end well, but I did like how we can see how Superman's affected because I feel like it's setting up for like a larger story um, in terms of, I guess, uh, the anger. Cause I think that's going to keep coming back. Like That was obviously a big point, and the fact that he deals with it, I think that's going to come back to bite him down the road. Yes, I do think this will come back to bite him down the road. My hope is that they don't go the full-on comic book accurate Uh, treatment of Sam Lane, because he does seem to be antagonistical, like full-on antagonistic in the comics, and I liked seeing him as a part of the family. Like, I I liked seeing him at the start of the series, you know, welcomed into their house, maybe having a little bit of a gruff relationship with Lois, but... uh, for the most part, having a, a very civil type of relationship with Superman, with Clark, you know, being a, a, a father-in-law, you know, sometimes, you know, dipping his toes in when he shouldn't, uh, but, you know, having a, a, a nicer-than-usual relationship with uh, the Kents. Um, my hope is that they continue that and they don't, you know, have him dive deep into the villainous side of the pool. Like, I don't want him to be a straight-up antagonist to uh, Superman in this series. So I hope that they give him the nuance that he's gotten so far and that they keep on doing that. Professor, do you co-sign that, or do you want Sam Lane to go full-on, not big bad, but, um, you know, thorn in, kryptonite thorn in the side of Superman? 
Well, I think he's going to be a thorn regardless, because, you know, even though and I think, you know, probably when you think about, you know, Sam Lane's character arc, he probably was mistrusting Superman for the longest time and was involved in, you know, and honestly, anyone who's watched The Boys or Brightburn or Invincible or, you know, any of the uh, the flood of uh you know, bad Superman clones, uh, you know, uh, storytelling that we've seen in recent years would appreciate, you know, why you would take these uh, precautions. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. On the other hand, you know, this is the uh, the father of his grandchildren. I think we, we got a good sense of that, you know, early on in the season. But, you know, the way he responded to Tag, um, you know, makes sense again based on that. But, you know, uh, again, just the sort of humanizing element of it, you know, was, you know, he was so intent on, on, on getting Tag. Why? Uh, because he'd hurt his grandson. So I think, you know, his, his, you know, love for his daughter, his love for his grandchildren uh, will make this a much more nuanced thing than simply, uh, oh, I'm going to be, you know, a total, uh, total antagonist now. Uh, I don't see that happening. I think there's, there's enough nuance to it. And I think, uh, you know, the actor playing Sam Lane is playing him with enough, um, you know, uh, of a conflicted nature that it's not going to be a simple matter of I'm suddenly a baddie. Okay, good. That's my hope as well. Um, Yeah. So uh, stay tuned when it comes to the general. Let's talk about Lois. Lois got a lot to do in this episode. Uh, Lois, yeah, was at the forefront with her investigation into um, in, into Morgan Edge, and she gets some help from Marcus. And I'm using air quotes that y'all can't see when I say Marcus. Uh, she she gets help from him. She's able to sneak into the mines, and uh, he's prepared in a way that does leave uh, Lois asking a whole lot of questions, as any intrepid journalist would have. And he he has tools. He breaks through a wall with the little laser beams and stuff. And he finds the ex-Kryptonite. And he even says it by name. Like, this is ex-Kryptonite. I know this. This is what's here. You know, there must be a, a, a mother load of ex-Kryptonite here. And uh, Lois is like, ex-Kryptonite? Okay. And then uh, Morgan Edge is uh, assistant. Leslie Lar ends up showing up with uh, laser beams shooting from her eyes. Um, but uh, Marcus ends up having the perfect way to subdue her. A little ray gun type of situation that knocks her the fuck back. <laughs> and uh, they escape. So uh, Lois has plenty of questions. Many, many questions. So many questions. And all Marcus says is that, you know, he's, you know, doing the same thing that she is. He's making sh- sure that, uh, you know, he, he's, he's trying to make sure that he can prevent bad things from happening. But before she can ask a follow-up, we have the family emergency with Jonathan uh, only breaking his wrist. A little suspicious, but uh, only breaking his wrist. So she has to jet off and... Uh, and uh, Captain Luther is left uh, to his own devices. So let's talk about this. Oh, good grief. Millie, Captain Luther, what have you thought of him so far? What did you think of him in this episode? Uh, it, yeah, what do you think about Captain Luther? And do you believe in my theory? I think by the end of this, by the end of the season, I think he's going to be an ally to... 
Superman to Clark and Lois. I think he's going to be an ally to them. The professor thinks he's going to maybe be an ally and then die. I think he's going to be an ally and still live. At least that's my hope, because I'm enjoying Wole Parks as Captain Luther. Your take on Captain Luther, everything he's done in, in this episode, everything he did, and uh, where do you think this goes for the good captain? Oh, that's a good... I like both those theories. Um, I, I want to start with the professor because it's always fun when something ends in death, but I think... It's always of, fun when things end in death? Did you say that? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, but I feel like in, in terms of the story and then also just thinking, like, who he is and the representation, I feel like they will definitely keep him on as an ally, maybe not, like, regular, but I could see him, like, reoccurring. Uh, overall, and you kind of touched on, like... The actor's performance is great. He's playing this this character. Obviously, he's up to something bigger and can't take him for face value where he just has all these really intense tools uh, for a reporter. Um, and I think it, it's such an, like a very smart performance. He's weaving in these bits where it's you want to trust him, and obviously you can in a little bit, but then he'll do something um, that makes you call it out, as, as Lois did. And so I thought that was really interesting, and I like... Um, I like that they kind of went on that journey because clearly there's a connection there. And I'm just, like, curious how he knows all this information and and what the whole this is, he's just trying to help. Because I feel like anytime someone says they're just trying to help the situation, we know it's not going to go well. So um, they've added enough mystery that he's actually a really intriguing character. There you go. All right, listeners. So if you ever run into Millie Wood, don't tell her that you're trying to help because she's going to be hella suspicious about what you're trying to do. Uh, oh, Millie. I love it. And, and she loves murder, death, kill, which is spectacular. Professor, your take on the captain. Uh, we got, we got a, a lot of information for Lois in this episode. Uh, I, we're going to talk about her and the Cushings next, but uh, her specifically with the captain. Your thoughts on uh, all of the shenanigans? Why would a reporter have a ray gun? It makes no sense. Um, I wonder if they gave that to him just because, you know, what a delightful line for uh, for Clark to deliver, you know, sort of, you know, a meta-commentary on the absurdity of their lives. Uh, I loved it. You know, I really like the fact that, you know, um, you know, Betsy Tullock's version of Lois Lane is very strong, very confident, very capable. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, that's been a gradual change uh, in, in our presentations of Lois Lane over the years. Uh, you know, she is, in many respects, you know, Clark's equal, if not his superior. Um, and I think one of the nice things they've done, you know, with what they did uh, in, uh, in, in Superman and Lois is by taking Clark out of the Daily Planet. They're no longer competing for stories. They're no longer there in that workplace. Uh, you know, that gives her the chance to shine on her own. You know, as a reporter, we get to see, you know, her really doing her reporter's uh, due diligence. And I love the fact that, you know, she was already suspicious of, uh, of Captain Luthor even before they went there because she'd had that, uh, that fake pass checked out, which shows that, you know, her reporter's instincts are still there. I mean, she doesn't trust, she has reason not to trust him. She knows he's not being honest with her, but she still went through with it because she still wants to get that access. She still wants to get the story. Um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying this, uh, this take on Lois Lane, you know, uh, she gets uh, the humor, uh, you know, that last scene with Clark, uh, you know, sort of like, Oh, by the way, this is not a big deal, but I almost got killed today. So anyway, here's what happened. Um, just uh, the uh, the insanity of it and the fact that, you know, she's gone through this sort of thing so often, you know, both as, uh, you know, as a reporter um, and as, you know, someone who, you know, has been hanging around with uh, Superman for all these years. 
uh, you know, she's gone through all of this stuff so many times that she's kind of blasé about it, which which I find hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitsy Tillich is fantastic. Let's talk about the other side of the uh, Lois Lane coin. So initially, she goes over to the Cushings to ask for help. Like, we see um, prior to that that uh, Edge is in town. He, he does this, like, sort of press event at the Schuster Mines to sort of basically say that jobs are coming back. And he promotes not Kyle... You know, his number one fan, uh, he promotes Lana to, uh, to, to uh, basically, um, I forget what the job is, but to be sort of like liaison uh, in, in the, whatever he's doing with the mines. So she gets uh, a, a, um, a promotion, uh, a bump in pay, and all that kind of stuff. So when Lois shows up and uh, asks for help, from the Cushings to get access to the mine so that she can figure out exactly what Edge is planning. She gets a whole lot of pushback from Kyle. Like, all of the pushback from Kyle. Basically telling her, you know, this man is bringing jobs back into town. He's bringing money into Smallville. You know, how dare you? Like, what's the proof? And she's like, well, I can't really say. And he's like, well, then you have nothing. Then what's the point of this? As he chugs on um, his beer uh, he leaves and Lana basically says the same thing like you know I, I can't betray our people here in Smallville like they're she says it in a kinder way let's just be real than Kyle did you know I can't betray their trust like the, the um, uh, Edge is promising all these jobs all this work and it's needed here in Smallville but later on, towards the end of the episode, uh, when uh, when Sarah is chatting with Jordan at the Kent home about the video and that sort of thing, uh, Lois and Lana are inside the house talking about everything that's going on in Smallville, and especially with Tag. And uh, she, you know, she's like, Tag and the mines what's going on, and so that convinces Lana that there's something fishy about Edge, because this is now, you know, lives are on the line, and that sort of thing, and so she agrees to be Lois's eyes and ears on the inside, and uh, they're going to keep this from Kyle, which, I mean, that should go well. Because, I mean, one of the, the teeny tiny storylines about, you know, within this episode about the Cushings was the fact that Kyle and Lana are kind of warming back up to each other. They even had date night. It looks like Kyle is really trying to make things work in the Cushing home. We'll see how long that lasts. Professor, talk to me about Lana. What do you think of Kyle? clearly an asshole, right? Uh, but I know you're going to defend him because you're going to be like, it makes sense. And you know what? I guess it makes sense. You know, he's Team Smallville. I get it. Uh, but what what do you think in particular also about this budding friendship between Lois and Lana? 
Well, first of all, yes, I'm going to defend Kyle because, uh, you know, he is a middle-aged white guy on the CW verse show, which means he's obviously going to be the villain. Um, uh, you know, point to a single example where that hasn't been the case. And, and Superman doesn't count. He's not a middle-aged male human. Um, but, uh, no, I think they, they do a pretty good job of, of, you know, giving Kyle justification. Uh, and in that scene, you know, where uh, Lois is talking with Kyle and Lana, you know, Lois is the outsider. Why would they trust her? You know, they've got someone who's coming to town, bringing jobs, and hasn't done anything that they've seen wrong. And Lois, the outsider, the uh, the city person, is coming in and telling these simple, small-town people, no, you should trust me, I know better than you. Of course that's not going to play well. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was unreasonable uh, for her to expect that. And in fact, somewhat ironically, later on in the episode, uh, when, uh, when Captain Luthor is saying to her, look, I can't tell you what's going on, you just have to trust me, uh, you know, did she take that and, you know, uh, trust him in the way that she wanted to be trusted by, by Kyle and Lana? No, she didn't. Touche. Um, so I, I think they're giving him a pretty good justification, uh, you know, and not having him playing the simmering resentment towards Lana. The fact that, and, and you know, they, they did a great job of playing, you know, his, his he was initially hurt, uh, but, you know, is trying to get over it. His, his male pride was wounded. But again, they're giving those little moments, like when he gets the phone call from, you know, the friend that hasn't had a job for eight months and has gotten a job in the mine. It, uh, it gives you that real sense for why they would think that, uh, that this is, uh, you know, is best for Smallville. And as Lana said, you know, you haven't seen this town drying up and dying. You can't understand what it's like, you know, to have a new business coming to town uh, and what that will mean. I did. So I, I really like that opening scene. And I like the fact that Lana said no. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I thought she came around a little too quickly. Uh, I, I think, you know, sort of justified on the grounds that, you know, Tag had threatened her daughter. But there's no direct connection between Tag suddenly having superpowers and whatever's going on in the mind. So in the mind, not in the mind. Um, so it, it felt to me like, you know, for story purposes, they had Lana turn things around pretty quickly and, you know, essentially agreed to be, you know, the inside source, uh, you know, uh, doing research on, on uh, Lois's behalf. But from a story point of view, that that will certainly help move things along quite quickly. Uh, so while I think it may have been a little quick, like it's not like Lois, you know, presented evidence saying, and here's what's going on. Here's why Tag was the way he was. It's this thing called X kryptonite that I've never heard of and even Superman's never heard of and apparently was was never a thing before um so they don't have that that sort of string of causality that would allow lana to jump to the conclusion that you know tag has superpowers because of whatever morgan edge is doing it just seems like a tenuous leap so it didn't feel entirely justified to have her come around quite that quickly to me um but aside from that i, I really did like it and, and i thought they gave lana and uh, uh and kurt you know good reasons for saying no we're not going to trust you city person okay millie I want to get your take on the storyline as well, but I want to get your sort of general take on the Cushings, period. Uh, this is your first podcast with us, so I'm hella interested in getting your take on just your opinion on the Cushings based off of everything that you've seen as you binge the, episode, the episodes and, and watched uh, you know, the current episode, this week's episode. What do you think of Lana, this interpretation of Lana? What do you think of Kyle? What do you think of Sarah? This episode definitely changed my opinion, but I was definitely like side-eyeing them for the first five episodes they just all seemed a little fishy in particular like <laughs> kyle and lana like sarah's cool you know jonathan jordan needs friends i think she's she's obviously has problems and she needs people to help work through that so i'm cool with that but like 
and because I know there's history, but there's just it felt really off, and that's why this episode surprised me in terms of her agreeing to like team up with Lois and a little bit what the professor said, and to do it so quickly, because um, it does make sense. They they probably have this resentment to all these outsiders that think that they know better, especially coming back in, in Clark's uh, case. Uh, there will be that. Kyle seems like a. Um, yeah, just kind of a useless person, <laughs> and so um, oh. his, I don't know, I just, I did, he just plays that typical white male well, and I definitely see, can see him being, I wouldn't say he's going to go out and be evil, but I could see him being manipulated really easily to become quote-unquote evil, um, thinking that he's doing it for the best of his town. Uh, in that sense, but I, I do like how they, I thought it was a little bit out of character from what we've seen, but I, I like how it was the immediate resentment towards Lana getting the, the job, but then he immediately like kind of turned it around and went out and celebrated. I thought that was weird, but it was nice that they kind of showed that overall. So um, I, I don't know, when I first saw it, I, could, I thought they were going to be kind of the thorn, like the, the opposite couple for like Clark and Lois, and they're going to be the ones that they kind of like butt heads on. So the the partnership overall will be interesting to see if that, if it's going to go swimmingly or if there's going to be issues as they investigate all of this together. Yeah, well, stay tuned. I will say that Kyle is Latino. That was established uh, maybe an episode or two ago, but he is really embracing his white male privilege. Um, Just saying. Yes, he's one of those Latinos. Okay, so to wrap things up, because I think the only thing that I haven't mentioned is the fact that at the end of the episode, we get a really tender moment between Jordan and Lois talking about, you know, everything that they've gone through, uh, you know, the struggles that Jordan has been has has been having with his powers, wishing that he didn't have powers and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, at that moment, Jordan gets another of, you know, the headaches. You know, we hear, you know, sort of like that that painful whistling that, that he's getting inside of his mind. And it looks like his powers are flaring up again like they did on the football field. So, oh, and he also starts to, to he has seizures. So uh, Clark ends up grabbing Jordan, and um, he's going to take him to the Fortress of Solitude to figure out exactly what's going on. So uh, I want to—I don't know if anyone has any opinions about this, but I will open up the floor in, in just a moment. I also I want to add a little odds and ends uh, right here because there there was an interview with the showrunner on TV Line, and they talked about. The Arrowverse, the CW-verse, and crossovers and references to the other shows and that sort of thing on Superman and Lois. And apparently, in episode two, when Lois was going, not when she was going, when she quit the Daily Planet, we were going to see her go into her office and pick up a few things. And one of the things that she was going to pick up is a photo of Lois, Clark, and Kara together. So that was going to be a little wink and nod to Supergirl. And apparently there were other little things that were kind of planned, but apparently, allegedly, based off of the showrunner, that because of COVID, because of time, because of just editing and and the limited amount of time that they have per episode, things were kind of removed. And, um, 
Yeah, there are hopes that in season two, you know, once we live in a better COVID world, or maybe even, you know, hopefully in a post-COVID world, when things sort of get back to normal and they're able to film a little bit, you know, as they used to, maybe things might change in, in as far as other references, I mean, show, references to other shows on Superman and Lois. We'll have to wait and see. But it was interesting that uh, at least, you know, one of, like, the major, um, you know, entertainment sites got the showrunner on record talking about it. Because the professor and I, we've talked about it. You know, I feel like every episode, like, why why wasn't this? Why wasn't that? So we got an answer to that. It took a moment. Uh, okay, so now I'll open up to the floor. Was there anything that I missed? Anything that either of you would like to discuss? Anything that I referenced at the end that either of you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP? Uh, well, just talking about uh, Jordan's, uh, you know, uh, scene there, um, my take on it, you know, earlier in the episode was it was just, you know, his super hearing kicking in and he wasn't able to handle it. And that was what was causing the problem. Yeah, so I think the end of the episode makes it pretty clear that that's not what was going on. This is something more serious than that. And uh, and the fact that, you know, because, you know, because it did seem to be it, it was almost like the hearing was triggering something else because, you know, he would always hear that same sort of high pitched whine, uh, that high pitched tone, um, you know, regardless of what the sound was. So, yeah, I do think it's something more serious than that. Um, and also, you know, again, sucks to be Jonathan. Jonathan's got his arm broken and everyone should be, you know, really worried about him and Saffron. But no, everyone's going to be worried about Jordan, who has to go, you know, stroking out, faking an epileptic seizure just to draw attention from his brother. <laughs> Typical sibling behavior. I know. What a teen. Ugh. If I told you the number of times my younger sister has faked an epileptic fit to draw attention from me, it's just as shocking. Yeah, too many to count. All right. Well, it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie Wood, it's your very first time over here in Smallville. Who's your MVP and why? Oh, sure. Don't reward those of us who've been there from the beginning. Reward the newcomers just jumping on bandwagons. Go ahead. I know, right? I, I am the Jordan. I, I'm, I'm the Jonathan of this podcast. <laughs> it sounds like you're being the Jordan. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> All right, Millie Wood. Um, maybe we should let the professor go first so he doesn't have to fake an epileptic here to get attention. <laughs> oh, God. I was, but I had my mute on, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Millie, you're MVP. Um, okay, so this is interesting. I, I think I would actually have to give as much as I harped on him. I think you'd have to give it to Jordan. Oh, look at that. Harping can lead to an an MVP. uh, Because I I think that it's, like I said, the actor did a really good job. And I think that the the story of his development um, and where that's going to lead, how it's kind of about working through this anger as a teen and especially as someone with superpowers and doing all those things, uh, adds a lot to his arc and kind of leading up to that. So I really liked that in that aspect. Um, In terms of him, like, as a character, yeah, no, he's not my favorite, but uh, I feel like that shows that they're doing a good job. I feel like it's supposed to be crafted in that sense where it's, he's supposed to be a little bratty side, so definitely bought into that. Um, so I'll have to give my MVP to him. All right. A very interesting choice. Uh, yeah, I-, I love it. Uh, Professor, your MVP and why? 
Uh, my MVP is Superman slash Clark. Uh, you know, his Superman scenes were great. I love the fact they're bringing out the sense that, you know, the restraint that he has to exert all the time, you know, um, and, you know, the realization that all it would take is that one bad day and sort of playing it like after he's been shot with the kryptonite, you know, the, the anger in his eyes, you can really feel, you know, how he had been pushed uh, to the edge. Uh, but also, you know, um, uh, you know, Clark, you know, being there to, uh, you know, put his hand down and let, uh, you know, uh, Jordan blast it with heat vision, which, you know, is, you know, at least usually even painful for Kryptonians uh, to deal with, uh, you know, being, you know, willing to do that. And also interesting parallel, uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of parallels, you know, uh, you know, uh, Superman putting his hand down, uh, you know, to, uh, to protect his son, uh, protect his secret. Uh, Jordan doing the same thing, putting his hand out to uh, to uh, protect him as uh, his brother uh, from exposing himself. Uh, and also, you know, the way the Superman, you know, sacrificed himself by, you know, throwing himself in front of the bolts, including the kryptonite bolts. Although, to be fair to Superman, he wouldn't have realized they were kryptonite bolts, so he probably didn't realize it was going to be quite that big a deal. Uh, but ultimately, just, you know, that last scene with Superman and Lois, you know, uh, around the kitchen table, you know, Clark just chewing the scenery, his, you know, just just having so much fun with the scene, playing his reaction to what Lois was going through uh, while he was off his thing. Uh, I think that that was just great. It's fantastic. I am loving this portrayal of uh, Superman. I co-sign all of that. Yes. Oh, gosh. Like, I literally have three choices, three people that I could pick for MVP. Uh, there were so many great performances in this episode. But I'm going to go with Jonathan, just because... This was the episode where I fully became a Jonathan Stan. Like, he is such a great brother. Like, I enjoyed Jonathan before, out of the two. Like, I, you know, Jonathan was always the, the, the better one. No offense, Jordan. But in this episode, I just gained, like, a brand new amount of respect for him. Like, the way that he was really there for his brother in trying to calm him down in covering for him in the most painful way possible by getting only your wrist broken. I'm a little suspicious about that because uh, I'm like, is, is, could this be the start of Jonathan manifesting powers or something, maybe? It seems a little weird that just his wrist was broken or shattered or whatever. Anyway, maybe we'll, we'll learn more about that in the upcoming episodes. But, uh, but Jonathan was just fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed him throughout the entire episode. And yes, he did a little teen stuff. You know, he went and got drunk and that sort of thing. Underage drinking. Shame on all of you, I guess. But, um, but yeah, he was just fantastic. So uh, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? Point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. You can send it with Clark and Jordan, since they're headed there. Let's see. Well, I'm going to pick on you again, just because it's, it's your first time here. Millie Wood, how would you rate this episode? I think overall, it was a very solid episode, and I think I'm still adjusting, because... Uh, it's a very different tone than any other main Arrowverse show because I, I don't I don't to watch too much Black Lightning, and so the way I usually judge other episodes, I feel like I have to slightly tweak it because um, it was we're used to like bad villain of the week, a lot of action pack, where this is a lot more like like that. Um, but I think in that, conversely, it felt, it felt a lot slower uh, in terms of the mood. 
movement of the plot, and that's how I felt in the first five episodes. I feel like it continues a little bit in this episode, but there's a lot of movement and still kind of laying down the framework for the rest of the season. But I think there's great moments and kind of revelations in terms of like the kryptonite bullets and how Superman uh, reacted, and then of course, as Professor said, his speech at the end. So overall, it's very solid, and I think I'll have to give it eight point four red capes. All right, and from Millie Wood, Professor, what about you? Uh, I liked it uh, a bit more than that. As I said, you know, there were a couple of little things that that uh, bothered me. Uh, but since we've established that my uh, my uh, door continuity issues uh, were mis- a mistake on my part, uh, I'm willing to the and I'm going to give it nine out of ten. All right, we got a nine out of ten. I'm going to give it an eight point seven five. I thought it was a a solid hour, a, a great return. Um, I I was a little worried that the momentum would have been like completely fizzled, you know, during that extended hiatus. Uh, but, you know, watching the episode, it, it felt like, you know, I just watched the previous episode, uh, like the week before. For Millie, literally, she watched it probably yesterday, or the day before. But, um, because she binged. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought the episode was pretty solid. It is rewatchable. Um, my only sort of quibble is with Jordan, and, and, and uh, I hope that all that's happening to him right now is a learning experience for him, especially, you know, learning to trust uh, his father and, 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 like, share everything that he's going through because he's going through a, a major change in his entire body right now. And um, the, the, the Jordan that we've been seeing the past couple episodes with, like, the secrets and not really wanting to say what he's experiencing, I hope that this storyline, because it seems to be a very dire situation, ends up um, sort of uh, stopping Jordan from being that way. You know, he has to grow a little bit and mature. All right. Uh, so on that note, to join us next time for a brand new installment of the Smallville Gazette, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Smallville Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And the professor. Oh, sure. Go to Millie first. Good night, listeners. <laughs> He's so jealous. I love it. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papichula Radio Archives. Good night.